Hello and welcome to Tops 10, brought to you by KTXT Radio and the College of Media and Communication at Texas Tech in beautiful Lubbock. Tops 10 seeks out successful and influential people in politics, government, the many professions, the physical and social sciences, or the arts and humanities, and asks them to reveal their lives, ideas, and ideals through their playlist. Our format is simple. We ask our guests what pieces of music mean the most to them, and it tells the story behind the infatuation. Mr. Derek Ginter is our producer-engineer. I'm David Perlmutter, a professor at and dean of the college and originator and host of Tops 10. Today I have with me yet another great special guest, Gregory W. Stevens, Chief of Police of Lubbock, Texas. Welcome, Chief Stevens. Thanks for having me. Now, Chief Stevens, I, I, this is radio, so we can't read your entire biography, which <laughs> goes about two hours. No. I, I timed it earlier. <laughs> Uh, but you were born and raised in Amarillo, Texas. After yes, finishing sir. high schools, you enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, served four years as a military police officer. And then I just have a list that is just the highlights of your career. And you're a young man. I'm, I'm looking, you, you're about 27, 28. No, 40, 46, 46. <laughs> okay. Well, that is still a young, very young man for me. Uh, so you began the Lubbock Police Department in 1992. You served as a patrol officer. And then here's my list. You work in the detective division, field training officer, instructor at the Police Academy, U.S. Navy Reserve as a Master at Arms, SWAT team, you got your Bachelor of Science in Criminal Justice, then an MBA, you were a Patrol Shift Commander, Naval Intelligence Officer, Internal Affairs Commander, it goes on and on and on, narcotics, gang unit, is there any job... (laughs) Janitorial? Is there any job that you have not no, done? No, I've cleaned up. I've done some janitor work. Yeah. I, well, of course, I, I, detective I so, division um, is probably patrol is probably janitorial in itself. But but is there anything you haven't done in police work? Well, not so. I've never been the lead investigator on a homicide case. Oh, there you have it. Um, and, it's not too late, though, right? No, it's not too late. Um, <laughs> in 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 the uh, everything, all of my time, either it was in patrol work or in what what we always refer to as special operations or or kind of the um, uh, the vice narcotics type detective work, and we always would yeah. help out when when uh, uh, when homicide or, or or other other detective units would need surveillance or or would need to get closer to the criminal element. We we did those, so I got involved in a lot of those kinds of investigations, and and I, I tried to always uh, do whatever was available career wise. Um, I would try to jump on that and get as much experience as I could. And the thing is, it's just a driven, it's a passion, it's a drive for this kind of work. And so I never passed up many opportunities. Always always jumped in. Well, I, I'm especially interested in this because about uh, for about a year and a half, I, when I was at uh, Minnesota working in my mm-hmm. PhD, I did a study of police work where I went to a local police department. I don't know whether you can still do this. And I said, can I ride along with the officers and take photographs sure. for a, a study? And I ended up sitting in a squad car. There were one-man squads. Lubbock Police Department, is it one man or two men? Two men. Almost all one-man squads. We occasionally deploy two people, but it's almost always one man. So I rode along, and because I I worked during the day, I had to do the dog shift, the 11, is that Mm -hmm. still a dog shift, 11 to 7 a.m.? Dog watch. We call call it dog watch. Yeah, yeah, dog watch. And so I rode along with the officers. That was my first experience with police work. I actually joined the department as a reserve officer. Is that a program that exists? We, we, you know, we're a civil service agency. Because I get to wear a uniform. We'd love to, I want to do that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I got to wear a, a darker blue uniform, but no gun. That was like ah, the only you. thing that was there. But I really, I had an amazing time. I wrote a book actually about police and the media because I was studying my initial observation about how the public reacts to police mm-hmm. based on 
their media stereotype of police sure. because most ordinary, you know, middle class folks have very little contact with the police right. except like right. you're pulled over for speeding. You're getting a wreck, uh, maybe something stolen off your yeah. porch or you're speeding. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's the extent right. of it. Right. So just one point and often not when you're at your best or a time mm-hmm. of real high stress right. and things like that. But police, as you, as you may know, are the most overrepresented profession in media. That is, we, we see <laughs> police agree. work more than accounting, any other kind of uh, job. But of course, it's it's television. So I was so fascinated how like a, one of the police officers would talk at an elementary school, very first question by a, a seven-year-old is, how many people did you shoot this sure. week? Yeah, and that's from movies, TV, exactly. And in every TV show or movie, yeah. you know, there's you shoot five, four, five people and you're, you're back to work. And you're, yeah. you know, you're, there's no yeah. paperwork involved, you know. And there's no consequences often, sure, exactly. uh, too. Right. And uh, so that was a very strong stereotype. Type. In fact, it was it, funny to me that the police often were apologizing to me because not they said we're not you know I'm sorry we're we boring didn't, we didn't yeah. we, we're so boring and I said yeah you are boring but that's the message uh-huh. is that and I, I at least that time in the 90s the statistic was the average officer may not not actually like shoot their gun their whole career oh yeah or something 90, like 95 that. 96 yeah. 78 percent of officers will go through an entire 25 30 year career never fire their weapon never yeah. seriously hurt anyone there's yeah. no you know there, you have a couple of heroin events through your yeah. career but that's it it's not yeah. uh, it's it's somewhat uneventful really and then the other thing that I saw that this, of course I want to hear your perspective on this is that police is one of the few professions where everybody is an expert because we've <laughs> right. all watched yeah. these shows on television and and at that time the forensic morgue type show where, where you know they bring in the satellite somebody's fingerprint sure. or something like that all that stuff the CSI type stuff had just started. It was just a few of those mm-hmm. shows. There'd been police procedurals for a long time. So everybody had their idea of police work. And sitting there watching actual police, I, th- I think I think all the terrible things that are going on right now has gotten some attention on some very basic aspects of police work, including the one that, that shocked me the most was like how little information the ordinary police patrol officer had to go on. I mean, right. we would get a call like man with a gun seen near McDonald's. Sure. That was it. That was the yeah, entire right. information. Man with a gun, and we'd show up, and it's lunch hour, and there's like a hundred people in McDonald's, right? And, and the street outside, right. and the officer has to sort out what's going on. Sure, and that's very typical. It's, it is just it is. such low information to choose from before you have to make a decision. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a, it is. And that's, 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 that's and, you, and you want is our call takers, they'll ask these questions and it's often frustrating for the person that's called in because their, their, their perspective is, or their perception, why don't you just send, just send someone? Well, right. well, they are. If you'll give me more information, I'm feeding it to the officers as they're going, but yeah. often it's quite limited and it's, it's often very inaccurate. Uh, you know, they'll say, well, you know, the, the person was, you know, this tall or, and was wearing a green shirt or whatever and turns out it's a short person wearing a yellow shirt and and so it's it, it's a struggle and and uh, but nonetheless uh, everyone that the vast majority of people that get into this job they're very passionate about it and and they they you know they take the the challenges and uh uh still still enjoy what they're doing the other thing that really struck me watching the interaction between um police and the public i went through you must have a much more sophisticated version of this but i went through the the fats simulator of 1996 mm-hmm. yeah. which was a laser disc firearm training simulator where there was a wall screen and they'd be playing this laser disc and and you would be pretending to be an officer and you'd mm-hmm. have a laser gun and okay so there's a guy asleep on a park bench 
and you would go up to the gentleman and say, you know, excuse me, sir, but you know, it's it's forbidden. You can't sleep here overnight on the park bench. And the guy would, in one scenario, he would roll over and go, oh, okay, sorry, and just walk away. Right. right. In another one, he would say, okay, sorry, and then he 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 launch at you with something in his hand. Right. And it turns out to be a newspaper. But then. The, tra- the, <laughs> the, the scenario, the, the, the firearm uh, training simulator uh, sergeant, you know, would, okay, next time it's a knife. And he would come at you with a knife. Mm-hmm. And next time he pulls out a gun. And I killed a lot of unarmed suspects because suddenly I had to make a life and death decision in two seconds. Mm-hmm. It literally, I mean, I t- they timed it for me. Say, okay, you know, from him pulling the gun to get him getting four feet to you took two seconds. So you had to make up a mind to shoot, to pull your gun out, to shoot, not to shoot, within just a, such an amazingly short amount of time. And how do you, nowadays, tell me more about what you do to train for the one, the, the one time out of the thousand or a million that that does happen. That's obviously one of the so, most important events in an officer's life, if it does happen that way. And, and of course, it could happen at any time. Sure. What, what's the kind of training for that moment? Well, so we still use uh, the, the technology. It's, it's greater now than it was yeah. back then. We have a shooting simulator that um, to shoot, don't shoot scenario-based simulator. But, but what's a little different now is often it's driven by uh, how the outcome goes. It's driven by the actions of the officer um, in terms of de-escalation and, and what the officer's uh, posture is going into it can determine the reaction from the suspect, the witness, everyone that's involved in that video type scenario. But we also teach uh, gaining distance, and and so especially when you talk about edged weapons and things like that, we we teach a scenario, um, and, and this is from a real event that happened probably three months ago, give or take. Uh, we had a, an individual armed with a knife, and and again, it's a deadly force situation, and the um, you know someone can close distance, as you said, yeah. with an edged weapon very quickly. There's this 21 foot rule that has been this historic uh, thing that that departments go by, but what we try to teach is the more that you can get distance between you and the suspect and we also teach putting objects in the way and this is something Different people like often that. don't understand when they see now sure. one of these videos is that somebody will be coming towards the officer and closing within that 21 feet and still have something right right threat, perhaps i mean you right. maybe you see it's a knife maybe you see it but, but so, so we teach, when the officer is right. saying stop right there don't come closer they're trying to keep that that right. we, we try to teach how to, how to create distance how to use uh, objects and obstacles to your advantage but and we also have the you know the advanced technology today of, of less lethal uh, options tasers we've been what, what does the Lubbock police things. department have on its Sam Brown belt now uh, so it's unbelievable yeah. how much stuff is there when I when I started because we had mace. I mean, the officers yeah, we, had we, mace and a, a, a service pistol. We, we ha- yeah. I can tell you right now, if we if we put one more thing on that belt, <laughs> it was I, pretty heavy I, in 1995. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. does, we can't fit anything else. We're gonna have yeah. to issue everyone a squire to run around behind them carrying all their stuff. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> I started with a gun, some more bullets, a pair of handcuffs. That was it. We didn't yeah. have a radio. That was in yeah. the car. You had to remember to take it with you. Um, yeah. Some of that's good, and some of that's uh, uh, you know there's there are some challenges with that. Now they have a lot of decisions to make. You know when I started started 
you really had to be able to talk to people. You had to ne- be able to negotiate because you had you you simply had your own physical strength. We didn't even have batons when I started. So you you only had your your your, your physical strength um, and your firearm. That was it. And so you had to really be able to talk and negotiate with people. You know where now there's a lot of options. The officers are carrying batons. They have tasers. We have, you know, every officer almost every officer has uh, beanbag rounds, less lethal rounds. Do you have required equipment for each officer? Yeah, everyone has. And, and then that. optional. You no, know, every everyone has that on their belt. And so. Okay. So, um, so, so we, we have, have to. You, you do have them. mace still, right? We, we do, but but most carry in lieu of that. They carry the taser and okay. the baton combination. Right. They typically, it's not mace; it's pepper spray. Right. Most officers aren't carrying that now. They do have in yeah. the car because sometimes it is more effective if it's the certain scenario. But really, um, it's kind of fallen off for a lot of other uh, of the new technology, and and so. We, we don't want officers to fall back on those things as a crutch in, in uh, instead of being able to talk and negotiate with people. Right. And in this, you know, the generation we have coming out now, I think, you know, so what we see in the academy and even in the interview panels is a lot of people lack the the personal communication skills uh, because everything's done electronically now via Twitter, text. Yeah. So, so we really want to focus on that and refocus on, hey, you're going to have to talk to people face to face. And that's in the essence of de-escalation and talking people down from whatever excited state they're in well that, that's, we're, that's we're a communication right major and we always like to yeah. say communication is major right it, 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 it is it, it, it really for, is and and you you've made a really a strong point the number one reaction i get from our alumni about students coming out of tech or any university now is that you know they're bright they're creative they're whatever but there is this question about the basic interpersonal communication skills mm-hmm. and we've actually we have several classes we have we have a module on how to have lunch because you know not a lot of them are trained on like how to have a lunch with a client a business lunch sure. but, but you're saying in the very simple thing of like de-escalation, verbal strategies, communicate, yeah. reading, talk body people. language, reading people. Exactly, it's 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 everything. The verbal skills, how, wow. your posture, you know how the how you stand and how you face people, things like that are all they're all crucial. They're they're, yeah. they're very important, yeah. um, and it can it can make the the difference between a situation turning into a deadly situation versus a great peaceful outcome. Uh, it's it's your first you know your first level of officer safety. We always we always say. Now, you began as a police officer. That was your first full-time job as to Lubbock Police Department? Or? Well, they, of course, yeah. the Air Force, the military. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, at, when you got first, out of the service. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, were, I did some, you know, I laid brick as a kid. And, okay. and then one of the, the first songs there, I worked, uh, I, yeah, I Yeah, did, your first I song, I, I, we probably need to bring in the music. Okay, you're, yeah. you're, everything you do is fascinating. Amarillo by Morning by George Strait. So you grew up in Amarillo. Born and cla- raised in Amarillo. I mean, even, even more, than, well, I guess Lubbock is the classic West Texas town, but Amarillo is maybe even more classic. Yeah, so my dad was an Amarillo police officer he he uh he started there in 66 before i was born retired there in 2000 and all of my mom's family was from down in san antonio town called floorsville outside of san antonio and we spent summers there went there for thanksgiving all the time and i vividly remember that drive back and forth and during the summers down there i actually worked uh worked cattle on ranches Uh, all my family has you know they either farmed peanuts or corn or or you've checked every west texas stereotype period (laughs) I know, and, and you, you've, have you farmed cotton ever? I've, no, I've no. not farmed cotton. I, in fact, I didn't know what a turn row was oh. in terms of a West Texas cotton farm until I was here, and I was in, and, and I got made fun of by a couple of other detectives because because I ranched, you know, whether yeah. in Amarillo or whether down in San Antonio, and and then to be fair, um, I didn't work cattle on horseback. I just sat on a horse and held on while a horse worked cattle. So I'm going to be very clear on that. Yeah. But, you know, growing up, uh, listening to that song by George Strait, listening to Amarillo that morning, it, it's pretty, it's a resounding trip uh, up from San Antonio. 
Amarillo by morning Up from San Antonio Everything that I got Is just what I've got on When that sun is high in that Texas sky I'll be bucking at the county fair Amarillo by morning Amarillo, I'll be there They took my saddle in Houston Broke my leg in Santa Fe Lost my wife and a girlfriend Somewhere along the way But I'll be looking for eight when they pull that gate And I hope that judge ain't blind Amarillo by morning Amarillo's on my mind Could you explain to us what different crimes would Amarillo have than the Well, so, here? you know, until, until Lubbock uh, voted to go wet, you know, we didn't have liquor stores. Amarillo's dealt with liquor store robberies. I remember, you know, my dad coming home, you know, he'd been working a homicide. He was, and I brought that up earlier, he was a homicide. He was the commander of the homicide unit there in Amarillo. Um, and I never went that route in detectives. Um, and, and uh, you know, there'd be some robbery from a liquor store. It was a pretty violent area. And, uh, and so... You know, but one thing I, I do relate to is, you know, I worked a lot of narcotics and prostitution type crimes. So well, we our our scene as far as that is that is different. Where you have Amarillo Boulevard, uh, we have mostly uh, you know prostitutes that are, it's a, it's a part of the drug culture, part of uh, truck stops and things like that. Where Amarillo is a bit different. You, you've got uh, prostitutes that walk Amarillo Boulevard, almost like a mini strip. And what when you look at that, you've got people that that are either headed out to to Nashville to be a, a singer or headed out to Hollywood to be a, an actor, and they get either way and they run out of money and, and land right in Amarillo, Texas, right in the middle of the country. It's like this is that what, like Greyhound, stop. you know, yeah. Kicks you off the bus because you I don't think have so. any more fair. More, more fair, or or you got halfway and that's wow. where you ended up. And so there's a it's one of the issues they kind of deal with, and we don't. But then again, we're like every city is different. We have a major university that, that they don't have. They don't have that crowd, that population. What is the jurisdictional issue of Lubbock versus Lubbock, the police department, mm-hmm. the sheriff's department of Lubbock County? Mm-hmm. And the Texas Tech Police Department. So everyone's got a different primary focus, and you know, so Texas Tech fo- focuses on everything on the campus. If you have a you know major crime on the on the campus, uh, you know, or thefts, property crimes, Texas Tech investigates that. They they work wrecks on the campus, you know, but their jurisdiction is countywide. The the sheriff's department, same thing. They deal if you live in a neighborhood just outside the city, call the police because someone's broke broke into your house. Sheriff's office is going to handle that, um, and we do everything within the city limits, uh, but we don't really come on the campus and unless Texas Tech PD asks for our assistance for something, you know, whatever. But we all work very well together. And you, and then you throw into that mix the state police, the Texas DPS. Um, if you have a wreck on I-27 or, or wherever and it's just outside the city, they're going to work that wreck. So everyone's got jurisdiction throughout all, all these areas, and they, they can certainly take police actions anywhere. However, everyone has a primary focus of, of what they do. And ours is municipal law enforcement. We, we work in the neighborhoods. We provide that primary response. So it really depends on where you're at as to who's going to come and respond to your call for service. Now, your song list is all over the place, I have to say. <laughs> I know. You, you've abandoned your, your old uh, 50s, 60s country roots a little bit here on some of the things. Your next song, Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison. Now, 
I really admired the police officers that I spent a lot of time with. They were just fascinating people. But they all also what I liked about it is they had a great sense of humor, yeah. and which you had to have in that oh, yeah. kind of a job because it, you, you see the worst of people and the worst of the outcomes of of, of what people do. So you got to have a little bit of a, a little bit of cynicism and a, also a little bit of just self mocking humor and everything Absolutely. like that. Front row seats uh, to the craziest show on earth. Where that song kind of relates to me is is along those ways. So I did four years in the Air Force as a military police officer, and I and I see and you choose military police as your. I did. Career. Yeah, it's the only yeah. reason I went in. You had to be twenty one yeah. to be a police officer. All I ever wanted to do growing up, and mm-hmm. uh, and and college wasn't for me. I was I had an older brother that went to University of Texas. His uh, he was a straight A student in high school. I showed up. You know, every six weeks with the alphabet on my report card. Was, we, were, we were different kids, and 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 so he went off to UT, and my dad took me to a recruiter instead, and and so it worked out great because I needed something to do until I was 21, and um, and and I, you know, in the the Air Force, you could be a military police officer starting right away at age 18, and so that song, you know, it, it hit on a lot of levels for me. One, you know, I, I went through all my, my, went through boot camp and I went through uh, the military police academy down in San Antonio and then I left and went to New Jersey uh, for a school and I ended up stationed in Allison Air Force Base, Alaska. And I met people from all over the place and I'd meet friends and then I'd, that person would be out of my life and be gone. Everything from uh, from girlfriends to buddies and and then I got into police work and I would, I would meet, you know, guys in the military and they would you know, I'd see him in a uh, DWM on the road, and so it was, so it was kind of this dichotomy of of life that I began to see and began to experience. And and I just remember that song. I liked the song and hearing the words to it. Um, it. Everything, you know, everything in life that's wonderful and great, you've got to take the good with the bad. And that's what that song's always kind of kind of meant to me. And I've, you know, it's it's on my playlist uh, whether I'm traveling, it's been on my running playlist, whatever. Just always love that song. I always love the words to it and everything. We both lie silently still in the dead of the night Although we both lie close together We feel miles apart inside Was it something I said or something I did? Did my words not come out right? Though I tried not to hurt you Though I tried But I guess that's why they say Every road has its thing Just like every night Has its dawn Just like every cowboy Sings a sad, sad song Every rose has its dawn Now your next one is... It- you're, you're a younger man than I am by about seven years or so, but maybe on my top 10 list, this would be an 11 or 12. Guess Who, American Woman, which which is actually a sort of critique. It's a, it's a negative song of American women. It's, it, but, you know, I, I've said to some other guests, I grew up at a time before the internet, obviously. So mm-hmm. unless you actually physically went to a music store and, like, bought the lyrics to a song. Right. There are a lot of songs I didn't know what the words were, and this is one of them. For until me. Yeah. like "Sweet Home Alabama," I I I'd gotten a whole bunch of stuff of that song wrong until yeah. like years later. I just looked it up on you know some tunes website or something yeah. like that. "American Woman." While I was in the military, you know, I went to several you know places in Japan and in uh, and I was in Korea. 
And again, not knowing the lyrics, not listening to it, but you know, I, I just remember being gone, and I, I just liked that song and listening to it. And we would go out in town, and we'd be gone all the time. And you know, the bars, the places we were gone to, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't enjoy it as as much. I, I truly just wanted to come back home and and just come back and well, come back and and uh, get back to somewhere where where it was uh, more home. Uh, where it felt good. I enjoyed being away. Joy, enjoyed, enjoyed uh, all the experiences, all the things. But at that point in life, I was, was getting close to getting out of the military, and uh, I was looking forward to coming back to West Texas. And that's what that song meant to me at the time, and what it, what I felt from that. And so, yeah, that's so when I hear that song every time, I think back to those days, and that's why that's why I like it. I still listen to it. Of course, Lenny Kravitz has, has redone it now. I like that version as well, but nothing like the guest. It's still, still the, my favorite version of it. next song by the Stone Temple Pilots, again, something your parents probably weren't listening to. No, uh, no. Or, or still do, or would listen to. Uh, Wicked Garden. Now, uh, uh, this really struck me, along with police, I, I became a more cynical person about humanity, mm-hmm. because I would just sit there and watch just people behaving so awfully. Yeah. And also, the people that they hurt, you know, children especially. You're like, mm-hmm. you go to somebody's home, and, and, you know, the child is crying because they're father just beat their mother in front of them and i felt like t- I, I had to take a shower a lot sure, <laughs> after sure. after coming home and wicked garden is a song about well as the title suggests bad things yeah <laughs> bad people start starting in in law enforcement civilian law enforcement in the early 90s was a different time and and than it is now but it, we, there, it's very cyclic and you know, my music taste began to change because I, I left West Texas when yeah. I went to the military, yeah. and I traveled the world, and I traveled the country, and and I was exposed. You know, I had, had one of my roommates uh, was from uh, Los Angeles, um, and you know, and, and then I you know, I was in New Jersey for a while, and I met people from all over the country, and I met people from all over the world. So my music cha- taste began to de- kind of develop, and I began to you know kind of appreciate music from all all genres. And and when I got here, a couple of really good friends they they didn't listen to country music, and so. So in that exposure, and I started li- listening to, to more rock and roll and more. And this song, it was, uh, you know, in the in the in the early 
to mid 90s gang activity was was pretty heavy all across the country here was was no exception and we would we would work you know two three drive-by shootings a week not every time would someone get shot you know but but we were really busy and and it and i saw that you know but one of the keys to that was to understand um and i had some great mentors that said listen don't don't get cynical it's not an us against them you know mentality and i, and I worked in in uh, several neighborhoods that were very very depressed economically depressed and you know but what i learned and some good mentors made sure i saw this is that in every neighborhood i don't care where they're at on the socioeconomic scale there there are good hard-working people trying to raise a family trying to do have a great life and there's these few knuckleheads making it hard for them and our job you know and my job at that time was to go out and deal with those knuckleheads so that the the good hardworking people could have a decent life you know i would switch the radio in the car the good times radios as we refer to them your AMF, amfm radio just police cars were having them because it was more expensive to get the car without it you know the administration didn't want you listening to good times radio but uh, but they it was less expensive to have a car with it and so i would switch between country stations and rock stations and this song i vividly remember from you know being a rookie and a and you know a young police officer playing and I just, I liked it, and then, you know, some of the lyrics to it, it was sort of like that for me, but it kind of shows my music taste going through the years. back to Amarillo, your next song, Amarillo Highway, the Terry Allen version. Yeah. So, and I, you know, when I heard, I always thought that was an Amarillo song. And so when I would be listening to that, when I was, you know, hearing, and I made that drive going to see my dad and and mom and family and stuff. um, I thought it was about Amarillo. When I just heard it, I was like, Amarillo Highway, you know, and then of course it took me a little while actually listening to the lyrics. And I realized that's actually, that song's about Lubbock and, and, and uh, this region here. So I kind of began to like it even more as I made that transition between Amarillo being my home. And, you know, for the last 24 years now, Lubbock is of course my home. You say, you say, where are you from? Well, originally Amarillo, but 
Lubbock's been home for me for 24 years and that. And so, so that song, it's kind of funny. I always believed it was about Amarillo. And then eventually, over time, as my home began to become Lubbock, Texas, that song, I realized that song's about, it's about Lubbock, Texas, actually. It's, uh, you know, so, eh, always like that song, every version of it. I'm a high, straight, and plain view, side bet and and a fresh deck in New Deal. If some call me high hand and some call me low hand, but I'm holding what I am, the wheel. joking that you, you've got this amazingly packed uh, resume for somebody as young as you are and, and your next song by Todd Snyder 
just like old times, is sort of about like repetition and, and things. This older police officer told me that the biggest change he'd seen from the 70s to the 90s was it, when you pulled over a young man who was driving drunk and with his dad's car in 1970, it, he was terrified, like, oh my God, don't tell my dad. Right. Right. Now, in 1995, it was, my dad's going to sue you. Yeah, I'm going to call my dad. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Different. What is it now? Is it well, something so it's, beyond that? Or? Well, you, you kind of have, you, you have to go up and determine, is this going to be a kid who I can call their dad, call their parents, and that'll solve it because their parents are going to deal with it? Or is it one who they're in this circumstance because they don't have a lot of structure at home and they're, they don't really respect authority? So, so it, it, we're, we're, I think we're in a, a kind of a transitional generation time right now. That, that's what we... That's what we tend to see, I think, right now in, in most most cases. I think you have some parents who are still very traditionalist, but you have you have a lot who, you know, when a teacher gets on to the, the, the kid or, or calls home, everyone then gangs up on the teacher. And yeah. instead of instead of everyone looking down at the at the kid and saying, Why did you behave yeah. this way? And it's the same thing for us. We're in the same type of circumstances. There's an appreciation for people in whatever circumstances there are there are and Doing as much undercover work as I did, uh, it's where I try to try to look at people in their their given situation and not try to set take my value system and place it on that individual, that person, and and that that entire song is um, it's it if you if you listen to it and and it it's a it's a it's a guy who's living he's living by an entire different value system. And, and I sort of met that guy working undercover, and I met those two. I just, I've always thought that song, it, it speaks to that, about what people's lives are like, and they're different according to whatever value systems they're living by. And, and I think that's what you have to kind of cope with, and whether it's, whether it's a generational thing, or whether it's, uh, you know, um, their circumstance in life, whatever it is. Well, there's a Coke machine blowing through a parking lot, call it a room with a view. This was the best night of pool that I ever shot Made a lot of money too Looking for some company In the weekly scene I seen that just had to be you I hadn't seen you since New Orleans I never did figure out where you run off to I know I looked bad the last time you saw me But lately I've been doing alright I won a tournament last week in Oklahoma City Hustled half of this town tonight I got some cocaine if you want some The best that I could find Peter, we could just sit here and talk all night That big old guy out in the car don't mind Like old time We'll screw off the top on a bottle of wine Living out our own kind of American dream Like old times Your goal was always the same as mine You didn't want to throw fish in line In that old mainstream No, I ain't expecting anybody but you I don't know who that could be at the door but I'm pretty sure that you've got a clue And I'll bet you've been to this hotel before Put the you-know-what in the bathroom But don't flush down just yet Put your pager in my suitcase I'll get the window You light a cigarette It'll be like old time 
screw off a top on a bottle of wine Living out our own kind of American dream Like old times Your goal was always the same as mine You didn't want to throw fish in line in that old mainstream Say no sir, officer, you don't understand Which two old friends drinking wine I'm sure she is, but that's not all that she is She is also an old friend of mine I got her high school picture right here in my wallet 1982 No sir, officer, no offense taken You have a good night too <laughs> Do your officers know that you listen to Kid Rock? <laughs> I think some of them do, and and I, you know, and, and there's I had to pick a couple of songs because you have two kid. You're the first person I've interviewed. You're, I think you're <laughs> you're the first person to have a Kid Rock song. To have two Kid Rock songs. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite artists, and I'll tell you why. Though um, I, I am by Kid Rock is your your next up. Play, yeah, um, which 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 I feel like just I relate to that song very well because I'm. I, I'm, I find myself very um, undefined when it comes to music, when it comes to style, when it comes to um, sort of attitude about things. goes back to the last song. I, I, I'm not very – I try not to be, at least I don't think I'm very judgmental on, on things. I, I take people for who they are. Um, when people say, what kind of music do you listen to? Well, I don't know what kind of music I listen to. I, I, uh, I listen to every kind, and, and I like Kid Rock's music. Um, I had to kind of – Listen to it and make sure that you could play it on the air, um, and and because we're a college radio station, yeah, you can play whatever. I could play any, any one of his songs. He doesn't he doesn't care no. if if no. radio if, if radio stations play it or not. He his to me his music is is whatever he wants to play. He looks at it from that standpoint, and it's uh, it's it's very uh, sort of true to heart, um, and it's it's also though um, has has changed dramatically from the 90s, early 90s, uh, going all the way in through today. And if you listen to his last couple of albums, they're very different. It's, it's almost gone into a country type of uh, music. And, but this song, the song I Am, it describes that someone who's been all over the country, I think all over the world, likes all kinds of music, likes all kinds of people. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm that way. I don't, I don't uh, you know, I don't, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a particular type of person. I don't like one kind of food. I don't like one type of, of style. I don't like one type of anything. We'll fire it up, chop one out. Somebody's got to know that I'm two days in. I got two days left to go. Cause I am Georgia. I am Memphis, Tennessee. I am everything that Hollywood wants to be I am love and I am hate I'm your late night drunk debate But you never put your finger on me Have you ever seen the sun Over the Rocky Mountains shining or touch the sands of a southern Florida beach Have you seen a grown man cry Or a child that slowly 
dying Have you looked inside to see all that you can see And I am North and South Dakota In New York City I am everything that Hollywood wants to be I am love and I am hate And the critics can all debate But they'll never put a finger on me No, you'll never put your finger on Your next song by Luke Bryan, I guess a little bit more lighthearted or darker. You, you tell me. I, I, well, I, I had so never heard this song until you listed it. Drink a beer. My, my, my brother, I had one sibling, my brother, he was older than me, 18 months older, died in 2010. So it was just the four of us, my mom, dad, uh, and then, and then uh, my brother and me. Um, he was, uh, you know, so, so we grew up there together. He left, went to UT. Um, gra- he graduated high school in 86, and I was behind him, graduated in 88. Um, you know, I can't say that we were always close. We, we, were, we were part on a lot of different things. But, you know, he moved into Houston, out to San Francisco, and he moved around quite a bit. But we always would get back together at certain times, and, we'd, you know, we'd have a beer together, you know. And, and uh, we had a couple of rituals, you know, a couple of things we always did together. And in, uh, my, our, our parents divorced. In, I was in, uh, I guess I was in the eighth grade. And so, um, you know, only you and your siblings oftentimes know everything about each other you know you you go through these things in life together and so he's the only one of course that could relate to all the things that we had each gone through in our our lives and so at that point you know my parents were always these you know i was a kid still even i was 40 he was 41 when he died and so you know even at 40 years old i was still a kid you know my dad was still this big giant you know my mom still you know did everything and and uh so at that point boy they were useless they couldn't do anything. And I don't think I don't think that we are designed to bury a kid. Mm. I, we're just not. And and so I had to deal with everything. I had to had to get everything arranged. Uh, he was living in San Antonio at the time. Uh, a lot of family down there and everything. And so it was a it was a tough time. And and I hadn't really related. I hadn't really sat and and processed. You know what he he, he took his own life in in 2010 March of 2010. And I hadn't really sat and processed that. And when this song came out, man, it just really hit home uh, because it was, it was often uh, just me and him, and we would, you know, find a time and sit, have a couple of beers together, um, and it, it a lot about that song really, really hit home. He always lived by the ocean, almost always. Uh, he sailed. He was out in San Francisco. He and some friends had a big sailboat. Um, I went with him several times there, down in the Houston Bay, the Galveston Bay, and. That song was a uh, uh, really hit home, and I hear it now, and I, I, you know, I don't turn the car off until it's done playing because it takes me back to those times with him. When I got the news today, I didn't know what to say, so I just hung up the phone. I took a walk to clear my head, and this is where the walking led. Can't believe you're really gone Don't feel like going home So I'm gonna sit right here On the edge of this pier And watch the sunset disappear 
drink a beer Funny how the good ones go Too soon but the good Lord knows The reasons why Sometimes a greater plan It's kind of hard to understand Right now it don't make sense I can't make it all make sense So I'm gonna sit right here On the edge of this pier And watch the sunset disappear So long, my friend, until we meet again. I'll remember you and all the times that we. And watch the sunset disappear And drink a beer Drink a beer Drink a beer Next song by Kenny Wayne Shepherd is "Blue on Black." I have no idea of the what even, and you can look at the lyrics to that. Yeah, I still yeah. don't know what they mean. Um, I was on active duty in yeah. 2012, yeah. doing some really high speed, low drag stuff, and so there's this, uh, uh, there's these moments, these times where you, it's kind of the on the way song. You know, I won't talk a lot about the stuff we were doing and where we were going, but there's, I literally um, slept in a cage. We had these these box units that were. Uh, there were, it was a cage, uh, and you had this little little bunk, little cot thing in it. And while we would be working, hours and hours on end, you'd go rest and you'd, you'd sleep in the, these cages. And and I'd hear this song playing a lot of songs. Again, music really has always spoken to me, and I've always gotten a lot out of different songs, whether it's the, been the 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 music or the lyrics. Um, and this one was, I guess, just the the music of it, the just the way it's put together, and and. And not necessarily the words of the lyrics, but the way the lyrics flow. Um, it's a calming song, um, knowing you know what that job was and what it entailed. It, uh, it just has always meant a lot to me since this, you know, the song's been around for a while and I've always liked it, but hearing it in that context, well, I can't describe the, the emotion of it or how, you know, what, what it is about that song, but uh, it takes me to that time and, and uh, it was the kind of the on the way song. Night.
Your last song, Kid Rock again. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, do your kids, well, of course, one of the, the funny things about growing up and having a family is that, you know, you, you your parents were uncomfortable with your choice of music, and now your kids are going like, oh, man, these 80s rock, Dad, come on, you know. <laughs> did, they, did, they, did they listen to this stuff? They don't listen to Kid Rock. Yeah, okay. um, they, uh, so, so I guess the older ones do, I think, so, yeah. so they may. There's, there's uh, my family. We have several playlists. There's, there's of course Dad's playlist that no one's allowed to get near, and and it includes a lot of Kid Rock. Um, then there's the Dad's playlist that nobody likes, but Dad, and that's, I think that's normal for kids and everything. And then there's the one that's kind of mixed that that Mom has. My wife and I have com- completely different tastes in music. She likes a, a lot of things I do, but but a lot she doesn't. And. So long you know, car trips. This is you've been negotiating. There's no, yeah, there's the, no kid rock playing okay. for the most part on long car trips, but it's usually what the kids and mom listen to, um, and her music tastes are very much in line with the with the girls um, and uh, with the, the two 13 year old twins. We just took a trip over last weekend to uh, to Arlington to catch a Rangers game and, and took them to Six Flags and um, you know and so I have a few songs mixed in there that, that we listen to, but I'll, I'll tell you for the most part, especially in the car, um, we talk a lot more than anything else. I, I work uh, a lot I work so much that that really when we're together it's more um, it's more conversation than anything else um, but I think you know mom's in the car with uh, with them far more than I am and so they have a lot of music that, that they listen to and all of them sing along uh, but we go back to George Strait and uh, on this road trip here of course I don't miss a chance to serenade her with the chair and uh, I I, I uh, they just have to suffer through that, and uh, we did that on this on this uh, this trip over as well last week. Gives them incentive to get into college and get out of the sure, house. Sure, <laughs> exactly. And if that's what it takes, I'll sing I'll sing whatever George Strait song I, I have to. Well, I have I have listened to more Adele than I ever wish sure. her to for sure. my lifetime. But I'm I'm you know as part of my my daughter's uh, life, I'm I'm happy to anything they they allow me to participate in, and yeah, I've absolutely. watched Minecraft being played and. I've uh, sat there, and I've, we've gone for walks and done the Pokemon. So, you know, as long as they're willing to share a part of their life, I'm okay with that. I know more that. about American Girl uh, <laughs> dolls than, you know, than, uh, you know, so, but it's part of it. Chief Stevens, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for what we do. I appreciate right. it. And, and just to end, uh, for our audience, which are, as you might imagine, faculty, staff, sure. uh, students, if they want to learn more about the Lubbock Police Department or maybe even get involved in some way, what, what venues do you have? Well, so one of the, the biggest deals, and, and we just started it up, we've had one, is the Citizens Police Academy. And it's a, we're doing it as a joint venture between us, the Sheriff's Office, and the State Police. Uh, we, we had one that just graduated a few months ago. We're starting another one uh, here. Uh, I believe we'll start advertising it uh, by October. Um, and... Uh, I think it's it's a it's a it's a great opportunity. It's a great time. We get great feedback, and I told this last group, "Hey, listen, we want this to be the worst class, the worst one of these that we hold. So give us your your honest feedback. Don't hold anything back." And so we want to make that improve each and every time. We're, we had 25 students this last time in it. Um, we want to we want to expand that so that we can put more people through. We had a lot of applications right. that time, um, and they could just contact the department. Yeah, look on our website, um, and of course that's you know one way to uh, to look at us. Um, 
um, we're we're trying to expand our social media presence. Um, you know, one of the big keys for for not just police departments but all government is to make sure we're reaching people in the right ways, whatever's yeah. right for for that individual. And we've got to realize that, like my kids, for for sure, my nineteen year olds, they're they're not getting their news on the ten o'clock <laughs> yeah. evening news. Yeah. They, they get on their phones and they're not really getting it from Facebook anymore, for sure. No. It's very it's fractured. Twitter, it's, it's it very is very fractured. And we no. need to be out there on all those platforms, yeah. and so we're doing that. We're well, you got to hire more of our students to work we, for well you. that's a conversation <laughs> yeah, that you and i are going to have here shortly right. so internships and everything else is what we're going to look forward to so on the the dulcet tones of kid rock we will end our interview today thank you very much chief stevens you bet thank you i appreciate the opportunity i do Between a boy and man She was 17 And she was far from in between It was summertime In northern Michigan Splashing through the sandbar Talking by the campfire It's the simple things in life Like when and where Shined upon her head And we were trying different things And we were smoking funny things Making love out by the lake To our favorite song Sipping whiskey out the bottle Not thinking about tomorrow Singing Sweet Home Alabama All summer long Love out by the lake to our favorite song Sipping whiskey out 
singing sweet home. 